Good morning. Oh no. Good. I got it. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Redemption Church. If it's your first time with us this morning, we're really glad that you're here. And uh, if it's not your first time and you came on Master's Sunday and stuck around, or maybe you drove in from out of town, I'm sure everybody did that, then uh, we're really glad to have you. We're glad that you came to join us. Um, Before we get started, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, this this time together, this opportunity to come together um, and seek Jesus and to point each other to Jesus and to remember Christ, remember our Savior. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit be at work in us this morning, that uh, you give us eyes to see what great love you have for us, that you would give our hearts the ability and our minds the ability to see through your eyes uh, and that you would give us the strength and ability to obey your commands and to walk in your ways, knowing that it's what's good for us and that it's what is gracious towards us and that you've, asked, you've given these commands for, to us because you love us. Father, I pray that this morning you would have heard what you'd want heard, that every ear would hear what your Holy Spirit would guide them to hear. I pray that everything that's said, that everything that's sung, that you'd have said what you want said. Father, everything that we do this morning, would it glorify you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for the last few weeks, we've been in uh, Matthew, and we'll be going over the Sermon on the Mount. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, and we've kind of just got into it, really. We've gone through the Beatitudes, which is the first the first part of that uh, sermon, and we've uh, basically just seen uh, what, well, we've just gone through verse 16, so seen the Beatitudes. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say, I think this is one of the most significant passages in Scripture. I think it's so important, and it needs to be read as, as a whole, so I would really encourage you to like, go back and look at the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, and maybe look at it a few times as we go through this series as a whole, so that you continue to see that Everything's pointing to one, one thing. So far, we've seen Jesus tell us so much about the kingdom of God already. Uh, he tells us who is a part of it, why they're a part of it, and he's going to tell us how it works, right? So, so far, we've looked at the Beatitudes, and that's really talking about who is part of the kingdom, right? And Jesus has flipped some stuff upside down, made, taken some people's expectations of who might be a part of the kingdom of God, uh, and, and kind of flipped it upside down so that... Uh, it looks different than people would have thought. Maybe they thought it was the religious elite of the day, right? The Pharisees and the scribes and those who were the keepers of the law and who were uh, very religious. But it's not necessarily the, the religious elite of the day. And for us, it's not necessarily maybe the, the good Southern church going uh, since they were a child Southerner you know, of our day. Maybe that's not necessarily who's in the kingdom of God. And Jesus flips things upside down and says... He's making a way for anybody and everybody. That's really what we've gotten to so far. Who's in the kingdom? Who can be a part of the kingdom? Anybody and everybody. It's not just one certain group. You can't earn your way there. You're not born into some uh, elite class of citizens that can get into the kingdom of, of God. He's making a way for everybody. And this is just a side note, but I think it's a good thought. If we just would remember that, right? And maybe... 
it'd be good if we could see ourselves through that lens. Like, the kingdom's good for anybody. That means even I can be a part of the kingdom of God. But what if we, like, walked around with that lens on all the time, and we, when we met others, we saw them through that lens? What would happen if we treated everybody we met like they were created in the image of God? What if we, when we came in contact with others, we treated them like they were a would-be child of God? What if we looked at people through that lens? I don't know, it's a side note. The other thing that we've seen so far in, in verse 15 and 16 is uh, what purpose the citizens of the kingdom of God serve. And it's this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they would see good works and give glory to God. That's the purpose of the citizens of the kingdom of God. And today, we're dealing with a little bit of a rough passage in uh, chapter 5, 17 through 20. And we see Jesus uh, deal with the tension that arises between the law and the gospel. Right? So this passage kind of sets the stage for the rest of the sermon. Uh, and it's kind of a gut check. That's really what I wanted to, what I, what, uh, what, how I wanted to function for us today. Because I really feel like it's what's happening here. Who's part of the kingdom? It's not who you expected. This is your purpose. That sounds all good. So maybe the other things that we expected about the kingdom of God aren't what we expected. And then Jesus hits them with a gut check in verse 17 through 20. As Jesus begins to unfold what it means to live as a child of God in the kingdom, being transformed by the gospel in very practical areas of life. So if you would, Matthew 5, uh, 17 through 20, if you want to turn there. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament if you don't know where it's at. It says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty rough. So I'm really glad that I got to preach today. Uh, you know, he goes on to say at the end of this chapter, as he's gone further into the sermon, in verse 48, Jesus goes so far as to say this. He says, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I think that we Christians, we are lovers of grace, and it's really hard for us to not skip this passage, right? So we as Christians, we see this passage, and we kind of assume that we're missing something because we know that Jesus is gracious and that we're forgiven, and, uh, and we just kind of skip it. We see that Jesus fulfills the law. We know that. That's good news. Jesus fulfills the law. We kind of skip over that whole iota and dot jargon, or if you're in the KJV, I think it's a jot or tittle. Not one jot or tittle of the law, which I like the word tittle, that's funny. It's a weird word. But anyways, um, not one iota or jot. It's kinda, we just kind of pass over that sentence. Like, ah, we probably just don't understand what he's trying to get at. We see Jesus talk about being better than the Pharisees, which we know we probably are better than the Pharisees because they were pretty bad dudes, at least in our imagination, when it comes down to it, the Pharisees were obeying the law, right? They were doing things outwardly that looked pretty good, honestly. 
But we kind of feel like, you know, we know the Pharisees, they're bad guys. We're better than them, so we pass. And we kind of just move on as quickly as possible. But this morning, we're just going to hang out here for a minute and uh, just take a little bit of a closer look at it. And, it. and I get that as we read it, maybe there's questions. These are some of the questions that I, might, I had. Where's the grace? Where's the good news? I mean, if I have to follow the law, if I have to be perfect to be righteous, then where's the good news? What good is grace? Or if we're reading through the sermon as a whole, as we ought to do, and I would encourage you to do, you might think, I thought we just learned from the Beatitudes that anybody could be a child of God. But then this sort of sounds like some sort of criteria. Like I got to do something and meet some really high expectations to be able to make it into the kingdom of God. And that's confusing. And it's tempting to just say, we know Jesus. We know he's loving. We know he loves me. We know he's gracious. That can't be what he means. Maybe not all of you think that. I think that a great deal of people think that. There's two things I want us to see this morning. First thing I want us to see is that following the law is actually for our good. It isn't just arbitrary rules meant to test us to see if we really got what it takes to be part of the kingdom of God. Right? It's for our good. The law guides us to live how we were created to live. It's kind of an instruction manual. Not, not the Bible, I didn't say that. But the law kind of gives you some guidance on how you're actually supposed to operate, how you're created to function, right? Take a look back uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 through 15, where Moses is, is giving the law to the people. And uh, it says this, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all people, you above all peoples as you are this day. You see, the law wasn't given uh, just as some arbitrary rules or some test. The law was given in love. The law was a gracious gift for the good of his people. I just think we need to, we need to know that. We need to get that. And that this is going to be a bad illustration because I'm a parent and this is what I got to work with, okay? But my kids have these little stuffed animals and they're called Scout and Violet. You may know who they are. I think they're with Leapfrog or something like that. But anyways, there's these stuffed animals and like on all their paws are these symbols and like you press the music button and it plays them a song. You press a, another button, it sings them to sleep. You press another button, it plays games with them. And their purpose is to uh, make my children happy and number two, to teach them some things. It kind of helps teach them count, helps teach them spell, things like that and other letters. Uh, Scout and Violet, that's what they do. They help make my children happy and kind of teach them along the way. But when Scout and Violet's batteries go dead, they can no longer fulfill their purpose. They're like any other stuff, stuffed animal that we have, but they're sort of not, right? I mean, if we have a stuffed dog, which we have a stuffed dog, not like a real dog that's stuffed, obviously, but like right, a toy. So we have stuffed dogs and stuffed princesses and whatever. Uh, those are stuffed. They know that's what it is. But Scout and Violet are supposed to sing. 
Scout and Violet are supposed to teach them their ABCs. And Scout and Violet are supposed to say, you know, one, two, three, and spell their name and tell them what good friends they are and all that kind of stuff. And when they don't do that, my kids know this thing's not working. This is sick. They bring it to me and ask me to take it to the doctor. Yeah, my kids know what these animals were created to do, and if they aren't serving their, pers- their purpose, they really aren't any good to my kids. If they're not working, they'll just go play with a stuffed animal if they want to play with a stuffed animal. The kids start letting me know immediately. They say, this, he's sick, you know, you take him to scout sick, take him to the doctor, whatever. Some of them, you know, they actually know batteries, and so they tell me to go get batteries also. But we too are created for specific purposes, Right? We're created to let our light shine before men and glorify God, Matthew 5.16, right before this. And we do that by living as we're created to live. The law is for our good, given in love, and gives us the guidance we need to live the way we were created to live. I'm going to come back to Scout and Violet. I'm not finished. But I'm going to read this quote. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity that the command, be ye perfect, which is KJV, is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command. So the second thing that I want us to see today, the first thing is that the law is actually good for you, and it's a gracious gift for you, and it's a gracious gift for me, and it was given to you in love. The second thing I want us to see is that the good news is that he is going to make us, that Jesus is going to make us into creatures that can obey those commands. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What this means is that he is making us into new creations who are capable of living out their God-given purposes. He's making us into new creations who are capable, through him, with his ability, with his strength, to live as we are created to live. What it does not mean is that we no longer have to regard the law. Rather, it means we are now able to regard the law because we can see from his perspective and his understanding and understand that it's good and that it's for our joy and that it's meant to glorify God and that that's life for us because that's what we are created to do. So when my kids' battery pack stuffed animals, Scout and Violet, lose battery power, battery power, it gets pretty ugly, right, pretty fast. These things are a little bit creepy in the dark anyways because they have like these flashing hearts. They're like light up blue. It's like a, like a rave in my, my kid's bedroom or whatever. And... Uh, but when they start losing battery power, that thing just gets a mind of its own and starts just flashing at all hours of the night. It's got this beeping sound it starts doing, and it just starts out of nowhere, and it's like... It's like over and over and over, and you can't shut the thing off. Like, you can't get the power... The pause won't work anymore. It's, it drives you crazy. It gets ugly. It gets really weird. They don't function right. You have to forgive me for the ridiculousness of this, but, but the truth is that Scout and Violet... We're not created to be stuffed animals alone. They're created to be teachers and playmates for my kids. When they don't have battery power, there's nothing they can do to function as, as they were meant to function. But when they have battery power, they function how they are meant to, and that makes them great. Now, I'm a parent, so I use something 
from a parent's perspective, but I thought about it later, I could have used anything, right? I mean, a TV could be on the fritz, and it's not working right. Your DVD player, if that's still a thing. Uh, your Roku, your Chromecast, or whatever. Your smartphone, uh, if it's got low battery, if it's losing power, they start doing crazy things. But when they have battery power, and they function how they're created to function, it makes them great. And my point is this, is that we are very much like that. We were dead in our trespasses. We have no power on our own to live as we were created to live. We have no power, no ability to live according to the commands of God because we're dead. But Jesus provided us with life-giving batteries, so to speak. So, we don't all the... This is, this is where we get confused, Right? It's like, yeah, but Jesus gave me life. That means that I'm forgiven and it pardons me from all that stuff. I don't have to do it. That's, yeah, he, he does pardon you from your trespasses. But we don't all of a sudden come to life and start doing things that we aren't meant to do. That's not the definition of life. It doesn't make any sense. We come to life and we start living how we were created to live. Remember, we were created in the image of God. And we were created to reflect God back to himself and to give glory to God. That's what we were meant to look like. So if we're functioning correctly, that's what we do. Anything else, it's not right. Something's wrong. Listen, living things don't function improperly. Living things function properly. Living things don't function improperly. Sick and dead and dying things function improperly. Hearts, when they're alive, they beat properly. And if they're not beating properly, they're sick and they're dying. Lungs breathe air the right way when they're alive, in the right rhythm. And when they stop doing that, they're sick or they're dying or they're dead. Brain waves wave. Right? I don't know what they do, but they function like they're supposed to function. Claire was explaining to me that I have a waffle brain and she has a spaghetti brain. I don't know what that means. Uh, she said, <laughs> it was a weird conversation. Anyways, uh, Listen, living things function how they are created to function. If it's not functioning the way it's supposed to function, then it's sick or it's dying or it's dead. That's why this is a gut check. That's why this is what we're, that's why Jesus goes right to the heart of it here. It's like if, you, if you're not functioning right, then you're not alive. And I'm coming to give you life. And so if you get the life from me, then you're going to be functioning right. So what should we do? Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45 says this. Jesus says this there. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks Dallas Willard is an author that I really love and he has a book called The Divine Conspiracy I highly recommend it and in in this book he says trying merely to keep the law is not wholly unlike trying to make an apple tree bear peaches by tying peaches to its branches and he goes on to say to succeed in keeping the law one must aim at something other and something more One must aim to become the kind of person 
from whom the deeds of the law naturally flow. The apple tree naturally and easily produces apples because of its inner nature. See, this week really isn't about knowing what to do and how to do it, honestly. It's about a gut check, like I've said. It's time to check ourselves right before we go into the next part of the sermon. It's about checking the positions of our hearts towards Jesus. Is your aim set on Jesus? Or is it set on what you can make happen to measure up? That's where I fall a lot. I'm in that boat a lot. Not really confident that I could do anything to measure up, but more confident in myself than I am in Christ. And it causes a lot of anxiety and stress, which Jesus talks about a few verses later from here. You know, I forget him. I forget how much I can trust him, and I start relying on myself. Is your aim set on him, or is it set on measuring up? Is Jesus the treasure of your heart? Like the verse said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Apple trees bear apples, right? What do you think the scribes and the Pharisees treasured in their hearts? And how are you different? How are we different? How are we going to go beyond them unless the treasure in our hearts is Jesus and only Jesus above all else? It's not really about cutting your hands off and stuff like that like it gets to in this sermon, right? It is about following the law, absolutely. But if you aim at just following the law, you're going to fail every time. If you aim at Jesus, if you aim at setting, your, setting Jesus as the treasure in your heart, then the apple tree will bear, bear apples. You'll bear this fruit of the Spirit, right? So this week, I just want us to remember and immerse ourselves in the grace that has been shown to us through his coming, his dying, his rising again uh, from the dead to bring us into life. This week, it's about celebrating, like we've already seen in the Beatitudes, that we are children of God, that anybody could be children of God because of the personal work of Jesus. It's about celebrating that. <laughs> We know it's not, about, it's not from any of our own doing. And it's about hearing the good news that the law is full of grace and that it guides us into life as we are created to live. I just want us to hear, hear that because when we read these verses where it's like, you've got to obey the law, and if you love me, you'll keep my commands, it's so easy to be like, man, but the law is, I don't want to do the law. That sounds difficult. Man, it's good for you. His, his commands are good for us. It's what's best for us. It's where we'll find most joy is when we live that way because it'll be living in such a way that lets our light shine and gives glory to God, which is what we're created to do, which means that we'll actually be alive. And we'll have our most joy in that. It's about hearing the good news that the law is full of grace and that it guides us into life. God gave us the law and all of his gifts are gracious. That's something we need to remember the law is not just, it's not some arbitrary rules just there to trip you up and test you. It's there as a gift, and God doesn't give bad gifts. I believe that. So, this morning is also a warning. I think these verses are a warning as we move on through the sermon and the series. If we're hearing the word only and not keeping it, we may need to check our batteries. We may need to check our pulse. Right? If we're hearing the word and we're saying that we are obeying it, but we're not actually keeping it, and we're just saying, yeah, there's grace, whatever, you know, and it's not changing us from the inside out, we need to check our pulse. We need to check our hearts. We need to check the position of our hearts towards Christ. Living things don't function improperly. 
sick and dying things function improperly. Did I say that right? Living things don't function improperly. Sick and dying things function improperly. Are you living or dying? Are you functioning how you're created to function, to let your, shi- your light shine before others and to glorify God? Are you bearing apples or are you just tying apples onto the tree, onto the branches? You know, we don't want to be doing that. A couple of months ago, we did a series where we talked a lot about discipleship. We defined discipleship as uh, increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. And then we looked at several practical areas of life uh, through the lens of the gospel and asking how, uh, how, the, how submitting to Jesus in those areas would look. Right? And we got some people up here and we all talked, did some conversation. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and we just kind of asked that. Like, like if we just started viewing all these areas of our life through the lens of the gospel, what it would look like for us to submit our lives in those areas? And this morning, as we check our heart's position towards Jesus and prepare for the coming weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what I want to suggest we revisit. And that's what I want to suggest that you keep in mind as we move forward. Increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. This is the question that Jesus is sort of challenging us with through the entire Sermon on the Mount. He challenges our heart with these things. Do you treasure me or do you treasure anger? Do you treasure, treasure lust? retaliation, money? Do you treasure the spotlight? What is it? Right? He'll go through different areas of the heart and we're going to, uh, we'll see that. And I just want us to begin to think about that. As, we, as we're disciples, that means we're increasingly submitting all of life to Jesus. Well then, let's listen in through that perspective as we go forward. Are you submitting your anger, your lust, your retaliation, your money, your spotlight? You know, all these things, are, are they areas that you need to submit to, submit to Jesus in. I think that Jesus will challenge your heart, uh, your reason for everything, and he'll challenge you to submit all of life to him through this series and through this sermon. I really do encourage you to read it a few times just all the way through. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's meant to be one passage. You know, it's one sermon. It's, it's all got one point. It's pointing one direction. Uh, what Jesus is not doing from here on out He's not expanding on and making the laws harder to follow. You could easily read this sermon and see where he just said, we've got to follow all the laws and we've got to be more perfect than the uh, scribes and Pharisees. As a matter of fact, we have to be perfect like our Father in heaven uh, to, to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you could read that and then listen to everything else that Jesus says and think that he's expanding on or making the laws more difficult. And that's not what he's doing. He's exposing that it's impossible for sick and dying people to live the abundant life they were created for. You will read, will read these passages and will know it's impossible. You can't do it. It's impossible for sick and dying people to live the abundant life we were created for. And he's not dismissing the law in the name of grace either. Just because it's impossible on our own doesn't mean he's just dismissing it and saying grace covers it. He's demonstrating that true grace is the gift of a Savior who can make us new, make us right, heal the sick, and wake us up from the dead so that we can live the life we were created to live the way that it was meant to be lived 
for our own good, for the good of each other, for the good of those who do not know him, and for the glory of God, ultimately. I think that's the purpose as we move forward. He's not dismissing the law. He's demonstrating that true grace is a gift of the Savior who can help make us able to follow his commands. And that'll help us for our own good, for each other, for others, and to glorify God. We're going to move into a time of response. And there's a few things that we'll do during this time. Uh, the band will come up in a few minutes and they'll play uh, some songs and worship. And you can sit, you can stand, you can worship, uh, you can reflect where you are. And I would just check your heart. I just think that's where we're at in the Sermon on the Mount right now. It's a heart check. Yes, anybody can be a child of God, but he's not dismissing anything. He's giving you the ability to do everything. Um, also, during this time, will be a time of prayer. Uh, we'll have people in the back with orange uh, lanyards on. If you'd like to pray with somebody, if it, it doesn't, I mean, you know, it's not just for something super extreme. If you just want to pray with your brother or sister in Christ, feel free to go see them. If you want to know more about Jesus, if you want to know about following Christ, if you want to know about becoming a child of God, go s- see somebody in the back also, and you can pray with them, and they'll be glad to talk to you. Um, it's also a time where we can take tithes and offering, which is the baskets right there in the back. If you're part of our church, if you're part of Redemption and the family of Redemption, then we, you can give there also. And then communion, what we do with communion is we'll come down the middle, and you'll take the bread and the wine or the juice, and, uh, and then you go back out that way. And what we're doing when we take communion is just stating to each other, really, reminding each other that we believe who Jesus says he is. We believe that he's done what he said he would do. We believe that he's the one and only way to our Father. And he's the one and only way that will ever enter the kingdom of heaven. We believe that he's made a way for us, that he's brought us to life. And we're saying that to each other because we are forgetful people and we need to remember. And if you don't know Jesus, then we're saying it to you too. And we ask that you hear what we're saying. If you're a Christian, whether you're part of this church or not, we invite you to come and take. If you're a Christian and you're forgetting, then you're, you're forgetting the salvation, you're forgetting what Jesus has done for you and you're, you're letting some guilt or some shame or some conflict between you and your brother uh, block you from, from Jesus, I guess, or come before him, uh, I would ask you to hear what we're saying and lay it at the foot of the cross this morning. Lay it at Jesus' feet and then come and take. If you need to clear something up with, with each other, do that. And if you're not a Christian, like I said, we just want you to hear what we're saying as we do it. Jesus is who he said he is. He's done what he said he would do. And he's made a way for life and life abundantly, the only real life that there is. And we invite you to that. Um, And lastly, over the last year so far, or this year so far, we've been praying for a few specific things as a church uh, that we would like to see happen. And we're going to pray for those things right now also. Um, We're praying specifically. We just want to see, we want to see the gospel advance in our city. We want to see Jesus' name made great. We don't want to see the name of redemption made great. That's not the point. We want to see God at work. We want to see people's life change, right? And so we've been praying for 100 people to come to know Christ to the people at Redemption Church, um, whatever that may look like. We're praying for salvation to spring up from the ground in our city. Uh, We're praying for diversity, whether it's age, uh, sex, race, Whatever, we're praying for diversity among us because we believe that's a a better reflection of the kingdom of God. It'll be all types and sizes and colors. 
So we're praying for that, and we're praying that we just be guided into that and, and, and know how to, to enter into a, a diverse uh, family of God here. And then we're also praying uh, for our missional communities. We're praying that we would be just, just that it would be strengthened and that we would replicate missional communities to reach more people. We would make disciples that make disciples and lead people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for those things. And then uh, and the band will come up and, and lead us. Father, I thank you for uh, this time this morning. And uh, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who came to give us sick and dying people a way back into right relationship with you, our Father, that we would be called children of God, we'd be heirs with Christ. Lord, I pray that our hearts would would just be opened up, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to know what is the height, the depth, the breadth, and the width that you have for us, of the love that you have for us, God. I can't speak it well enough. I can't tell of your grace good enough. I can't tell of your love good enough. And our ears can't hear it good enough. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit uh, to give us a mind to see and a heart to know you. Um, Lord, we do pray that the gospel would advance in our city. We pray that you would use Redemption Church. We pray for 100 people to come to know you. I pray for even more than that. Pray that salvation would just spring up from the ground, that lives would be changed because of how you're changing the lives of people here. That our body at Redemption Church would display Jesus in such a way to our neighbors and to our city to individuals around us that they would know that he is who he said he is and he's done what he said he would do and that he's alive and well and that we can be alive and well with him now. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would continue to guide our church into diversity, that you would help us to reach out, to bridge barriers uh, to diversity. I pray for our missional communities as they um, reach their neighborhoods. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would cause them to be a tight uh, community, a tight family who's holding each other accountable, who's pushing each other towards Jesus and reminding each other daily of their Savior. And I pray that they would be reaching their neighborhoods and that you'd replicate missional communities. Lord, just make us a church that leads people to Jesus, lead people to Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.